8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. And we'll have the podcast up of my chat with uh, Pepe Moran from his agency, Joe Public United, up tomorrow morning around uh, around nine o'clock. So uh, look out, uh, look out for that. Okay, um, we'll chat later on to Neo Hutiri from Technovera about some of the things around innovation. Looking forward to that. But let's get to the issue of a big picture for the day, and it is about it is about Ascom. So. I tweeted something earlier today to say, you know, the phrase lights out normally refers when you say somebody is lights out. It it refers to someone who's just about to pack it up. And in many ways, it's either literal or figurative. One may say that what we're hearing about load shedding is is an example of being lights out just about every time. So what does that say about where ESCOM is? And where we are, and why we are where we are, and what does what does it say about the future? So we've got two guests who'll help us find some answers. Kulu Pasiwe is the national spokesperson for for ASCOM, of course. Kulu, appreciate your time once again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Ashraf, and to our listeners. Good evening. Good evening, indeed. And we have an economist with us. That's Kanti Pai, who's the economist at Nascent Advisory. Kanti, appreciate your time. Hello. Uh, It's good to talk to you. Good evening to Kulu and Julius. Thank you. In fact, I'm going to start with you, Kanti, because I think people have heard the the load shedding stories at Lent, and I certainly want to get Kulu to defend that position just now, right? What what is your understanding as as an economist, Kanti, about where we are with regard to load shedding, or rather, with regard to ESCOM? Load shedding is a manifestation of the problem there, and and what does that mean as a microcosm of where we are as a country? Look, Manda, I don't have an understanding, to be honest. I think that um, one of the key things, actually, I, had a, I did an interview just the other day on this was funny terms, and I, I'm hoping they will look at this more deeply, you know, if they investigate journalists. Because the first thing is that the Department of Energy just recently, um, a, few, a couple of months ago, told us that they had licensed uh, all these Indian power producers. I think you'll remember at some point, ISCOM said they had excess capacity, there was no need for this, um, and we were told that, you know, we don't need... Um, this is the power producers. Solar energy also during the day is not storable and all of these things. Now, it was from, of course, the old management. Perhaps they were not telling us the truth. But we would have thought that there's a, a, a flow of some energy from these independent power producers. We also understand, of course, that other people had learned over a period of time to also find alternative ways of energy. That So it's, it's a difficult one because also... We are not at the place where people will be told to save energy. Remember, they would also, um, in the previous phase, to be told how to save energy, what are the key things we need to do, running schedules to help us plan and also participate in actually saving energy. So all these things are difficult. And then, of course, I don't know how true these reports have been about whether the coal is wet or this is wet, um, as if actually we don't understand or can plan for, you know, uh, how to keep, um, you know, the different inputs into our electricity system dry. So it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to understand exactly what's going on. Okay, oh, wait, nine one one zero four two zero. Nine, please make a note of that number. It's not the usual number. That's just for t- tonight. We're in a different studio. 891 So what do you make of what's going on 
With ASCOM, we, we clearly, we all know there's been problems for a good few years. But suddenly, you know, for all of us, we don't, we're not affected by the day-to-day problems, exactly maybe the price of electricity, but we certainly get affected when there's issues like load shedding or there's lights out in our communities. And suddenly, it's come to the fore in the summer, not in the winter. So there's huge issues and huge thoughts around that. So what do you make of it? What would you change what do you think are the causes? What are the solutions for you? All right, that's the voice of uh, Kanti Pai from Nason's Advisory. Uh, Kulupa Siwe is from ASCOM, of course, the national spokesperson. Busy time, I'm sure, for you. Uh, help us understand. Let's start with, with where we are now. What has caused this latest round of load shedding, which I can think is, is probably the first time we've had it in, in the summer months? You know, Ashraf, we have uh, many problems within the organization. First of all, we do not have enough money. Our liquidity position is very weak. We have uh, big uh, technical problems that are happening at our power stations. We have a number of units which are offline now because of technical faults. And then uh, we are also dealing with uh, a lot of experienced people, obviously, who have left the organization over a period of time. All of these things put together are resulting in some ways to the problems that we are dealing with at the moment. So as far as uh, load sharing is concerned, we have uh, indicated that uh, um, we, 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 we do have uh, some units which are offline. I think uh, yesterday we were standing at about uh, 17,000 megawatts in total. That was offline because of technical faults. Others were, were because of plant maintenance, but the majority of them because of technical faults. So clearly, um, it means that uh, ESCOM has to do a lot of work in terms of uh, the, the statutory maintenance that needs to happen. And maybe just a bit of history on, on, on this maintenance program. Um, in the last, say, one year or so, ESCOM had uh, taken a decision that uh, because of our financial situation, we were going to defer some of the maintenance so that uh, we can uh, um, just continue to run the system. And some of the money, quite frankly, that was available was pushed towards uh, Mirupi and Kusile so that we could finish off those projects. But unfortunately, that deferral of maintenance has now come back to haunt us, which is why we're having some of these difficulties. All right. So help, help us, us as South-Africans, as consumers, right? What, what can we expect right now, right now, you know, for you could be what, one month, two months, what can we expect now? And then what can we expect beyond that? Well, the the, the management has already activated the nine-point plan, which is going to take care of the the immediate problems that we have now in terms of dealing with maintenance. So um, 11.5 billion rent has been set aside to deal with uh, the backlog that we currently have. And uh, by the end of... uh, November next year, we should have dealt with much of this backlog that we currently have. It does not necessarily mean, though, that we will be having problems with load sharing until the end of this uh, maintenance program that we have to run. So there will be days and instances where things are, uh, are, are, I would say, generally okay, but unfortunately there will be instances where the system will come under pressure where we might be forced to implement load sharing. But it has to be understood again that we do have some emergency um, uh, plants that we use whenever we are in trouble, and these are primarily the pumpkin storage facilities which use water and also our diesel generators that uh, we use from time to time to mitigate against the risk of load sharing. So in other words, load sharing, when it does happen, it happens as a measure of last resort, essentially to to protect the, the grid from collapsing. 
when it does collapse, that's what you call a blackout because there's no electricity at all. And based on the example that we got from California, I think it was in 1992, or if I'm not mistaken, or maybe say 2001, it took nearly two weeks for them to get the system up and running. South Africa does not have the luxury of California. Our system is not connected, I would say, uh, obviously it's connected to our neighbors, but they don't have enough capacity to, to sort of boost us. So California and, uh, and elsewhere, they, they, they could always tap into the, the neighboring countries so that you can get enough electricity and then you can reboot your system. In South Africa, we are the only country in, in the continent that can uh, produce over 40,000 megawatts. Other countries, they produce something like 5,000 here, 2,000 there. So clearly, you don't want to have any blackouts. And therefore, that's why we have to do maintain. Sorry, uh, we have to implement load sharing so that we can prevent a blackout. But it's going to be a very long and hard road before we can get our system back together. But at least there's a plan, and uh, there are efforts already in place to make sure that uh, we, as I say, we self-correct. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero nine. Note that last three digits two zero nine. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero nine. We're talking about ESCOM and what's the state of play with ESCOM right now? What happens in the short term, long term, or medium term? Short, medium, long term. What do you make of it? Are, are you frustrated, or is there a great understanding of the issues of uh, lack of liquidity, as has been uh, said by our guest, uh, and and issues of management resignations and departures? Uh, uh, all well documented under the greater discussion of of state capture, which which may not certainly be the the fault of of the of the incumbents, but I mean they they certainly saddled with that. Uh, do you therefore give some have some advice? Do you have a sympathy uh, for ASCOM, or are you? Disheartened, disgruntled, I certainly want to hear from you. 891 104209. Let's just, before I get to Kanti in, in a moment, uh, I'll just stay with you for now. Could you just help us understand this, therefore, on, on a daily basis? Maybe just, just teach us a thing or two. When we talk about supply and demand, uh, because we often get settled with this, we, we, we've been told we're on a grid and there's bound to be load shedding today, and then we're all waiting. Patiently or impatiently, and, and then we don't go off, and we're delighted, uh, or we sometimes think we're not going to go off, and, and we do go off. This help us understand the supply and demand that takes place on a daily basis, and then what happens. In summer months, we have uh, um, generally about uh, thirty thousand megawatts in terms of demand constantly for the almost for most of the day, from early in the morning, from say about uh, six o'clock already, we are beginning to see sort of a gradual increase peaking at around 8 o'clock, where it stays constant at about 30,000 megawatts until late in the evening around, say, 8 o'clock thereabouts, and then it goes down again. In winter, it's even more haphazard. In winter, it dips and goes up all, all, all the time because of uh, the, um, I would say, the usage of electricity, which continues to change from time to time. So, But, but generally in winter, even though it, it dips up and, uh, and goes up, um, it, it basically uh, starts from a very high uh, 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 trajectory where it can go as, as high as over 36,000 megawatts, and especially in the, in the peak hours, in the morning before 6 o'clock, and then also late in the evening, especially in the evening where sometimes it goes as high as 36,000 megawatts. So you're correct in your analysis that generally over the years, Whenever we had load shedding, it used to happen in winter because generally that's where you have a lot of demand on the system and that's where the vulnerabilities are. In summer, 
um, we do a lot of maintenance and generally uh, the the usage of electricity is sort of predictable. You know that you're going to stay constantly at about uh, 30,000 megawatts and therefore you can make your plans around it. But uh, because of uh, the lack of maintenance or at least maybe the delays in some of the maintenance that we are supposed to have done, clearly now going forward the picture is going to be slightly different and therefore ESCOM has to do everything possible to make sure that we return back to service some of these units which are offline, especially um, now that we're going to be going on a, on a summer break. Uh, many of the mines and, b- and big industrial customers will be closing. We're going to use that period to do as much maintenance as possible so that when people come back in the second week of January, we are in a much better place than we are at the moment. I'm very curious about the damage that it does to the economy and to the uh, to the uh, investment image and, and perceptions of South Africa as a country as well. And, and before I get to the other callers, Pule, we'll get to you in just a moment. Kanti, talk to me about that. You know, uh, how is I mean, as an economist, how is this perceived then uh, by by business in our country and investors as well? Yeah. Actually, let me start here. You know, one of the key things that we've uh, been talking about is the focus on small business. Mm-hmm. And we always say, and I know you and I have talked about this many times, about, you know, what can people do for themselves? You know, and we also talk about the informal sector. Now, these are people, for example, that you may think about um, who are in the townships with, butcher- with butcheries. Um, then with these butcheries, they also maybe run um, a chitanyama that, you know, sells a little bit of alcohol and cold drinks. Now, if you can have no power for the entire day. And most businesses like this tend to small run on the stock that they have, that if they lose that stock, it's gone. These are stories that we heard in the last time we had these things, in which business, small businesses were going out of business because they would actually lose their perishable. So the, especially those businesses with perishable, those are going out quite far. So, and these are people that may, you know, uh, be the employers uh, in these areas where we are saying people must be um, independent and they must try and start their own businesses and see opportunities where they are. Because I think quite um, the bigger businesses in the CBD are able to, you know, to run generators. There's also, of course, the small service businesses. So if you run a small service business, I know somebody was telling me that they haven't had an um, electricity industry and they run a, um, a, a hair salon. So no, they haven't seen any... any um, People, because obviously if you lose electricity during the day, that's when people are coming, you haven't been able to do any business. So these, I think, are the biggest worry for me and the biggest concern because these are the businesses that have us to go right under very quickly because they are very short. Other businesses can survive. A lot of those bigger ones, they bought generators. Some of them can find alternative ways of doing business. So I think that's the first part. I think that's the second part that you are to. This idea, remember, again, that people then have to think about how do they get around it. This is what people will um, call generally cost of doing business in South Africa. So if somebody is looking at a project, they think, how much does it actually cost to do business? You know, telephone, you know, data, sometimes we talk about data, telephone lines, water, and then you talk about electricity. Then if you have to also factor in your modeling, that perhaps I should buy a generator alongside my uh, being able to, you know, to pay um, mm. a, a, a utility. And that increases the cost of doing business in any given country. And you have to think about it because, obviously, if we are hearing, for example, the story that we're um, hearing from Kulipasu, that we have problems of um, money we haven't spent on on, um, 
on maintenance. So these are problems probably that are going to be with us for some time to come, if I'm understanding him properly. So if you are planning to do a project, you know, you had committed some money when the president was asking for investments, you have to think in that commitment that you're going to have to invest in power generation. I think that's a big concern because a lot of people then are going to start to think, well, we understood that things were getting better. And this is not to be you know, negative, but I guess it is part of the story that we're going to have to tell. But, you know, we are good at all these other things. But perhaps don't make sure that you also accommodate. Um, um, I mean, we are telling horrible stories about crime sometimes. And so people say, okay, I must also factor in um, security. So all the things mm. that are not really... Um, good for us. So we need to actually try and do better in this regard. Well, there's certainly more to come and there's questions from people. Let's get let's get some calls. Uh, Fon, I think it's Fon. Fon from Joburg. Hi. Fon, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hi. Yes, good. Good talking to you. Go ahead. Can you hear me? I certainly can. Go ahead. Okay. Um, my concern is the pumping of water into reservoirs. I've asked my ward councillor. He tells me that if you have an outage of electricity for 24 hours, then you are likely to have a problem of having no water. Is that correct? Okay, let's, let, let's find, uh, let's just stay on the line for a second. Uh, Kulu, comment on that? That is correct, yes. If, uh, because water coming from the, the reservoirs is uh, pumped by using electricity, therefore, clearly, if there's no electricity, then it's going to be very difficult for, for the city council to pump it to where everyone lives. And therefore, yes, there's a correlation between the two. But I have to add that where it does happen that people do not have electricity for 24 hours, clearly that one is beyond load shedding. Municipalities who are urging them to also do the right thing. When there's load shedding, and load shedding, by the way, in South Africa happens on average for about four hours maximum. In other words, if you have do not have electricity for more than four hours, then clearly it's something that is outside of uh, load shedding, and therefore municipalities need to communicate if they have their own problems on their networks. Mm. So clearly people shouldn't be having uh, should be, shouldn't be going through without electricity for 24 hours. A day. Okay, you, you you got that. Hopefully that will clear things up clear, clear things up for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, excepting if you have cable theft. Of course. Correct. Correct. Yes. All right. Got that. Thank you. Thank you for that Thank call. You. Let's get a, another call. Um, Colin from Cape Town. Hi, Colin. Hi, good evening, Ashra. Good, good evening e- to your guest. Good evening indeed. Thank you. You know, Ashra, uh, I would like to ask your guest, uh, when or is it possible that we can get our electricity direct from ESCOM? Why must we go to the municipalities? The municipalities are owing ESCOM around the country billions and billions. Now, imagine if ESCOM had that billions and billions from a council paid ESCOM. ESCOM, I don't think, would be in this position. So is the government ever going to think of, of, of getting rid of councils, selling electricity, buying from ESCOM and selling it to us? Okay, got, got Thank that. You, Thank, you. Radio. Thank you for that, uh, Colin. Uh, Colin, comment on that, selling, selling to myself yes. and Colin directly, like we're buying airtime at, a, at, a, at one of the uh, well, uh, cell phone shops, same thing? Well, it's uh, quite uh, difficult to, to, to get that uh, arrangement going because, remember, in terms of the constitution of South Africa, the provision of water and electricity is a function of municipalities. And let's say the provision of water and electricity to residents is a, uh, a function of municipalities. So, in other words, 
ESCOM, where, where it plays a role in most cases, is uh, for us to produce electricity obviously in bulk and then we sell to municipalities and they redistribute to their own customers, which is you and I. But primarily ESCOM produces electricity and then we sell directly to big industrial customers. But obviously the bulk of that electricity will go to municipalities as well. For us to sell electricity directly to, to customers, we will have to change the constitution. And you and I know, Ashraf, how long it takes for, for, for that uh, to happen. And municipalities, by the way, are not going to uh, allow this to happen because daily electricity provision is also one of their cash cows. They make a lot of money through the sale of electricity because, uh, for example, we as ESCOM are selling electricity at 5.2% currently to municipalities. The law allows them to put a small markup there, some of them 8%, some others up to 8.5% that they sell to you and I. So clearly they're not going to allow this to happen. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an important point as well. Uh, in, in terms of markups um, that they that they do, right? Let, let's get more calls on this issue here. But before I do that, uh, can't you just talk to me about that? You know, the your thoughts around you know uh, ESCOM not being able to sell to all of us and the add-ons that come with with markups around that. Yeah, I think it's a huge thing. Um, I, I mean, I think um, that of course this idea of ESCOM not being able to sell to um, just directly wouldn't be a solution in terms of people or municipalities always. The reason municipalities owe is also that they are themselves owed by their customers. Um, and much of it, of course, are historical reasons, but many of them are actually also economic reasons. Because, as we know, um, these, this debt is increasing because people are unable to pay. And then there's also, you know, what municipalities do for indigents and all those kinds of things. So it's not as if actually if ESCOM took it over suddenly, um, the debt wouldn't exist. You might find actually that ESCOM would have um, that would, they would hold their debt directly because this is directly the municipalities are not paying because they themselves are not being paid. It's not that actually money of them are actually keeping the money for themselves; they're not passing it on. So okay. I think that might not be our best solution. We'll get to Eddie and Pule. I'll talk to you in a moment. Here's to all the boys who walk tall with pride for not lifting their hands on girls whenever they're pressured to. Here's to the men out there who know the meaning of stop and do just that when a girl refuses. Here's to that boy child who continues to thrive to be a better citizen against all societal odds. Here's to instilling positive values to the younger generation and leading by example. Power to Rise, brought to you by Love Life. This is an SABC Foundation supported initiative. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Talking about ESCOM and the problems that we're all experiencing once again. But that's the issues around load shedding immediately. But there are greater problems around ESCOM. And as you've heard, the spokesman say quite upfront in terms of loss of management, loss of leadership, loss of revenues. There's a whole lot of things that has affected ESCOM and therefore has affected its ability to maintain uh, its, its, its various uh, resources. And, and it's put pressure across the board, A, on ESCOM and therefore on our ability to receive uh, power or electricity from them, and that clearly is a massive problem indeed. Let's get to, let's get calls. Eddie from the Free State, you're on the air. Hello, Eddie. Go ahead, Eddie. Eddie, do I have you there? Okay, let's reconnect with Eddie in a moment. Pule, you're on the air. Hello. How are you? I'm good indeed, Pule. Thanks for thanks good, for calling. You know, Go ahead. You know, some some of the issues that I wanted to raise have been raised uh, already, although they were not adequately addressed. Uh, in 2016, when we started having these outages, 
We were told that uh, a Middle Peace power station is being built, whatever. And after then, we were told that now everything will be okay. But it starts again. I don't know what happened with Middle uh, Peace, although this guy is trying to address it, but it's not adequate. But my last question, for yesterday and today, in my business, I lost almost four computers. I don't know what recourse do we have because of this other reason. It affects some of the equipment that we are using. Why, what recourse do we have? Do we go to, 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 to ESCOM? And I will know that ESCOM will take for years before they try to address our issues. But this is hampering our business badly. And it also has a bad image internationally. I don't know why ESCOM has to put us into this kind of trouble that we have to go through. I've lost four of my, my, my core. core so so they've, when you say lost, they've, they've packed up. Okay, you just said it, your hard drives. They, they damaged, they packed up? They, they, they damage. I don't know. I mean, I've been trying to, 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 to repair them. I don't know. Maybe they have to be repaired altogether. And I know that ESCOM is not going to help us in, in any way. Okay. Right. ESCOM needs to get their things right. I tell you, big, big sympathies for you. And I've certainly heard that across the board. Kulu, comment. comment. Thanks for that call. Kulu, comment on that, please. Ashraf, load sharing is, is a big problem. Load sharing shouldn't be happening. Load sharing is an aberration. We as a company and as a nation, we shouldn't be going through the difficulties that we are talking about now. I do sympathize with him in terms of uh, the losses that he has uh, incurred. And as you correctly said, and also Conti has said, we are damaging the economy, especially at a time when, as a nation, we want investors to come and, and invest here so that we can grow our economy by, I think, the... the, the the, uh, the plan is to have it uh, growing by about 5% or more. Clearly, that cannot happen if we have load sharing every day as we are doing now. So this is not sustainable. And, and maybe as an anecdote, uh, Ashraf, we are not only affecting the lives of people who are living, we also are affecting the lives, not, not the lives, but at least we are affecting the dead as well. Over the weekend, I got calls from people who run funeral parlors, and they are saying to me, what do we say to families who are coming to fetch their the, the, the bodies of the deceased, because in terms of how the funeral uh, um, palace work, clearly the bodies in, in those facilities need to be kept at a particular temperature, and you, you obviously you need to prepare them before you, you send them to their homes or wherever they need to go. So clearly we are affecting not only the living, but also the dead because of, of, of these problems. ESCOM has to correct this thing, and I can tell you now that today there was a big meeting, an emergency ESCOM meeting, where some of these matters were, were addressed or at least they, they, were, they were deliberated on so that we can find a solution on how to resolve this problem of load shedding once and for all. Okay, well, I mean, th- thanks for owning up to that. Can't you just talk to me about ASCOM? And I know you're an economist, not a communications expert, but you certainly would deal with perceptions, right? Uh, how is ASCOM, in your opinion, managing the, the communications aspect? Not so much from Kuru, who's doing a great job, but, but the broader company in terms of we have a problem. And, and explaining that to us as a as a nation, keeping in mind we are very frustrated, and, and, and I think Kuli would understand that. Yeah, look, I I will say the way it's being done, and I don't mean any offense to Kuli, I think he's done a great job, especially throughout this thing. That if anybody should be paid a business, I mean a bonus at ESCOM, it should be him. I think that we are starting to feel like there's something bigger than that. At least to me, I'm starting to worry that there's something more than what we are being told. And I think that's the biggest thing because then that's when actually people start to um, to lose confidence in an institution. And we've gone through a lot to actually try and rebuild that trust. And that trust where, you know, ESCOM has a new board, a new chairperson, some new management. 
and that this is starting to feel like there's something there again. And I actually, I would ask if you're confident that unlike the last time we were told that there must have been some sabotage going on, that he doesn't believe that there is any. I would find that, you know, um, an interesting question. But to communicate is um, an important thing, as I said earlier, in terms of actually trying to get people some way to plan, because actually, if we are in trouble and we are going to be here for quite some time, then perhaps people need to understand um, that on a longer-term basis, you know, um, before, I mean, this has been done before, so this outcome has just arrived in a situation like this. They've been through this before. And it's in this time around, they are completely prepared to actually deal with the long-term communication of, so that actually people can plan around these disruptions and find better ways of doing things, including actually some business people who may find an opportunity to start selling some generators. But these kind of things, or people, you know, putting on some, you know, solar panels and things like that. So we should be given a much clearer picture about the dangers we face and the risks we face in terms of electricity generation over the foreseeable future. But, I mean, that clearer picture is not going to come from ASCOM, would it? I mean, would you think that, for example, uh, solar generation would, would in fact, be in competition to ASCOM, uh, uh, Kanti? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, is struggling, for example, to finance, um, I know the capacity, all the capacity we need. And ESCOM um, is also struggling, you know, with, the, you know, to, uh, to refurbish the generators or to actually keep the maintenance going. Um, and they expect that that is going to something to come. Then they're not facing competition. You know what I mean? You can't be competing for something you can't produce. So there's no competition here. It's just allowing people and actually taking the responsibility. Remember, ESCOM is a, is a part of the state. So ESCOM has the responsibility to all of us to tell us what we are facing so that we can actually make alternative plans because it's, it's the company is not, not able to actually produce, you know, to, to produce what um, we need and therefore we should find alternative ways of going forward. That is a huge responsibility of the government mm. and that's uh, part of that structure. Okay, I'll get a response on that in a moment. Eddie is now back on the line from the Free State. Eddie, go ahead. Hello. Very much, Now it's, I'm sure it's a diversity in Lord Shady. <laughs> mm. So we can't be able to talk our issues here. The first point is, you know, at least by now we know people who brought us uh, to this stage. Uh, we know the, the, the Brian, the Brian, and others. And the other thing is that, uh, Ashraf, um, you know, when the Minister Valimusa was still the minister, there was a document that was drafted that uh, we need to have regional uh, electric, electricity distributors, of which municipalities were going to do that. But I understand that we are still having problems with municipalities. But I'm saying if we fix municipalities, that can be an ideal uh, situation where you find that uh, municipalities must provide electricity to its communities. The last point is, ESCOM has money. They have uh, a deputy spokesperson. You know, they are continuing to, to, to employ people in, in, this, uh, in this situation. Ashraf, the last, the last point. Why is uh, people who are selling the uh, coal to ESCOM so expensively? You know, the, the document that was uh, adopted by Parliament today, I'm sure it was going to help so that we expropriate those, those areas where our mineral resources are. Thank you very much. Okay, lots of, lots of questions are coming through there. I'll get to Shabir in a minute. Uh, Kulu Pasiwe is the spokesperson for ESCOM. Respond, respond to those calls. Well, let's start with an easy one. The, the, the thing about the deputy spokesperson, Ashraf, we as, a, as an organization, we run a 24-hour service. And in most cases, 
I'm the one who has to answer to all of these things that are going on within these organizations. And the labor laws obviously also protect <laughs> people like me. I, I also need to go and leave just like everyone else. You do get lights out. I mean, you're tired, clearly. Yeah. Exactly. So sometimes I have to do calls like this one late into the evening. So they clearly, um, sometimes it becomes impractical for me to be everywhere all the time. So the deputy spokesperson that we have has not been hired from outside of ESCOM. She's part of the team that we have at, at uh, the ESCOM media desk, and uh, she's been essentially uh, seconded to, to do the work that she's doing now as a support to some of the things that I have to do. So that, that, that's where we are. So it's not new person coming from outside with new monies and things like that. So, but, but uh, as, as far as the rates are concerned, or the regional electricity distributors, yes, there was a plan many years ago to establish six rates, but it, it never got off the ground. In fact, there was only one attempt, which happened in the Western Cape, and the, 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 the city of Cape Town was the first one to go um, and, and try to establish this. But all the other municipalities elsewhere, in the, including even in the Western Cape itself, they were refusing to join the rates because, as I was saying, Municipalities make a lot of money through the distribution of electricity. So municipalities were saying, we're going to lose our cash cow, and therefore we don't want to be part of this rate. And therefore that plan was cancelled, I think, about 10 years ago or something like that. And therefore, if there's going to be any other plan, clearly it has to come from um, from the Department of Energy as the energy um, policymaker and decide as to how they want to proceed in, in relation to this. But as far as uh, the, the provinces or the municipalities having their own regional distribution, that has been tried. It has failed, I'm afraid. Okay, more calls uh, that we've got. Shabir is on the line. Shabir, go ahead. Hello. Hello, Ashraf. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I what can, I'm yes. saying is Eskom are lying. They are blaming so poor maintenance, shortage of coal, and whatever for, our, for, for the plunders that they have made here. Our neighboring countries get electricity from us. Why don't they have load shedding? Okay, but let me, a, let me understand this, Shabir. Before this I get Eskom to answer stunt. it, this is, can Shabir. You give me a minute? This is just a cheap stunt that they are trying to get increase in the rates that they've been looking for a long time. Why, okay. they, why don't they take to task the people that have got us into this mess? Okay, but, but are you not aware, by the way, that there's, there was a CEO who's not there anymore? There's a completely new board. Uh, there are, ESCOM itself is the subject of major interrogation as per state capture. So what I'm saying is, are you, are you aware of that? Because that, that's, yeah, no, that is answers your that, question. What I'm saying is our neighboring countries get electricity. Why don't they have load shedding? Yeah, but, but you just you hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying. trying to understand this that the problems that we speak about, and you're saying ESCOM are lying, would that not be the question we should be putting to the previous management? The current one is the, tr- the, the, the management that's trying to resolve a problem caused by somebody else. Or do you see it differently, Shabir? No, no, no. I see it differently. They are, this is just a cheap stunt to try and get better rates from, from NERSA. That's okay, what they try cheap to do. stunt. Got that. Shabir's got his opinion. That's why we call the show The Viewpoint, right? Uh, Zingizi from Cape Town, you're on the air now. Go ahead. Zagizi, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead. Now we've just... Thank you. Please yeah, go... wait. Go Your ahead. Has been placed on... I hope it's not a load-shedding problem, but go ahead, Zingizi, if we can. Now, we'll try and reconnect with him in just a minute. Uh, Kanti, talk to me about that last call. It's just a stunt. This is what they're doing. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> Um, look, I think that's not the different. Look, 
it, it seems to me that uh, just announced that they made um, the financial results that they made a profit. Now, of course, the profit is a very different thing to um, cash flow. As I think Kultasi was saying earlier, they've got problems with uh, cash flow. We think owed money because it's one thing to make a billion rand profit, get another for people then to pay you uh, that billion rand profit from the sales that you are making. So I think, again, um, you know, I doubt that they would go as far as to sort of um, muzzle the hand of the regulator. I think it's not that intense, especially as we say that these are, this is a new board. I think they have a little bit more integrity than they would actually go and try and actually create this kind of situation. But I think that, of course, there is something to be said about putting a plan together um, that the regulator can actually approve uh, and, of course, rates and increasing rates that the economy can afford, given where we are. So it's obviously going to be a very, very difficult task. But I suspect that I, I, I would agree that you know this is a some conspiracy, even though I do believe on the side that that uh, is some kind of sabotage the way actually things are happening with this with this um, with this drops of, of electricity. Interesting. If could you comment on that, your side, some some stinging yes. criticism, yeah. Yes. Yes, thank you, uh, Ashraf. Ashraf, let, let, let's uh, um, demystify the issue around uh, our sales to our neighboring countries. Mm. We as a company, yes, we do sell electricity to our neighboring countries, but you can only sell what you have. If you don't have anything to sell, clearly then you, you can't sell. So in other words, South Africa is our primary market. We produce electricity for South Africa. We sell excess capacity to our neighboring countries. When we have load sharing as we do today, then clearly you can't sell to people something that you do not have. So all I'm trying to say is that when we have load sharing in South Africa, we reduce our exports or we, we cut them all together. So this notion that we, we load share South Africa and that we sell to our neighboring countries is actually not correct. But I do understand the frustration that people are feeling. Sometimes they think that... Uh, things that they read or they hear from some of the so-called experts are the truth. But the reality is that you cannot sell something that you do not have. Why, why do you not, think that that, that that comes up? The fact that, you know, um, yeah, you're uh, not like this is a rip-off. You're load-shedding us but selling elsewhere. What I'm saying is that call, it's not isolated. Where, where, where do you think that perception comes from? Well, I, I think it comes from the fact that uh, previously people were told that uh, South Africa is having low trading, but we are selling to our neighboring countries because uh, we, we are uh, earning in, 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 in dollars, and therefore we're trying to make a quick buck out of it. But the reality is that, just like anything in life, if you don't have a product to sell, clearly then you, you can't sell it to anyone if it's not there. So from our side, that's what we do. We only sell to our neighboring countries when there's excess. If there's no excess, we don't sell it. And then the, 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 the other point is around the tariffs. Yes, tariffs, we understand it's a grudge purchase. People don't like to see tariff increases. But it has to be understood that ESCOM makes an application to the energy regulator for like this time around for 15% for the next three years, each of the three years. Um, it, it's not a given that ESCOM will get uh, 15%. The regulator might decide, as they have done before, to give us an uh, inflation-linked tariff increase. But from our, from our side, our aspiration is to have an adjustment of 15% so that we can recover some of our costs. And then the, 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 the other point that was made, um, I, I think it, it was... Uh, 
and I forgot the, the other point that was made. But essentially, uh, uh, um, those are the points that I, I needed to yeah. clarify. Okay, just the last thing. We've got, we've got 15 seconds to go. Is, is there, you know, I certainly follow you on Twitter, and I think there's lots of impact, but I find there's still lots of confusion around uh, around load shedding. What, what's the best way for people to find out? But you've got like 30 seconds to answer that, uh, Kulu. So from our side, we give an instruction to municipalities across the nation. Municipalities, many of them at least, have a distribution license. The regulators have allowed them to, to sell electricity, and therefore they, they have their own customer base. So the municipalities are, are, are ESCOM customers. So we inform our customer, and the municipalities are required by law to inform their own customers. In other words, people should actually check with municipalities as well when the, uh, uh, about uh, which areas will be affected by load shedding and which days and, and for how long and those kind of things. From our side, we do so we, uh, uh, obviously through Twitter and also on our website. And sometimes I do come to radio stations like today so that we can explain our, our, our case. Yeah, okay. That's where we're going to leave it. Uh, probably time for you to go and sleep now, understandably, before the next round of interviews comes up. Uh, Kulupa Siwe, thank you for your time. Spokesperson for ASCOM, thanks for giving off your time. Feel free to tweet further information about load shedding and how it really works. And I'll certainly pick it up. Hashtag SAFM viewpoint. Okay, that's uh, the discussion around that. Kanti, thanks for your time. Uh, appreciate your input as well. Let's get to Josie Dark.